0: The question is, are you ready? This is The Drive with Josh Graham. We're walking here. On Sports Hub Triad.
1: It's a special Thursday morning edition of The Drive, which I'm just now realizing the name of the show doesn't really make sense for this time slot. You're probably already at work. You're certainly not driving home from work. But we're still the drive. Robert, when we pass things off to David shoemate and the Duke radio team in an hour, what the heck are we supposed to do with the rest of our day?
2: I don't know. I'll be here working uh, on the ACC tournament
1: games. Okay. We'll be carrying all those games throughout the day. I might actually get to enjoy happy hour for once. Who knows? But if you missed last night or just fell asleep like... I did for portions of the first half due to Virginia scoring 7 points in the first 10 minutes. Really, I think close to 12 minutes. Again, I don't know because I fell asleep for stretches of it. Seriously, Virginia should be banned from playing in a late-night game that starts around 10 o'clock. The Cavaliers advance to face Carolina tonight at 9.30. And I I like Virginia to win. Put it in my bracket a few days ago, and I feel even better about it considering they found a way to win despite the three-point shooting not being there. I think this was the worst possible draw for the Tar Heels. I really do. They've played twice, or they played once, not twice, and that really is something you worry about when you're facing a team on such short prep. There's not a lot of familiarity between these two squads. The lone meeting between these two, considering they only played once, over two months ago. That was January 8th when North Carolina dropped 74 on the Hoos and won by 16. But Hubert Davis isn't worried about that, though. This is Hubert talking about his philosophy on scouting in the ACC tournament.
3: You know, the great thing about conference basketball is, you know, your opponent is known because you have played against them. Whether it's been once or twice, it is is a known opponent. To me, and one of the things that I communicate to the guys is, you know, when I – When I was here at Carolina, we didn't do any scouting reports. You know, Coach Smith used to write the names of the opponent on the board, and he used to put a star next to a guy that can shoot and put two stars next to a guy that can really, really shoot. And that was
1: it. Robert, that's pre-internet scouting. Hey, this guy right here, he can shoot. Let's put a star next to him. This guy who can really shoot? We're going to put two stars next to this guy's name. Maybe circle it a little bit. I'd love in 2022 for a coach to have that same philosophy. If Hubert is scouting Duke and he's like, you know what? AJ Griffin, two stars, and players are taking notes in a meeting. they like, oh, he put two stars next to him. That, that guy's probably really good. No, I think there's some truth to what Hubert's saying. We can maybe overemphasize scouting. You can focus too much on your opponent that you lose sight on if – You just focus on yourself and get better. Good things probably happen for you. But in this case, I think it's a bad call for what I just said. They only played once, not twice. And when they played, it was over two months ago. And that was a completely different Virginia basketball team than the one they're going to see at 9.30 tonight. Roughly 9.30 tonight. Probably going to start closer to 10 as we saw last night. Virginia's won seven of their last 10 games. This is not the team they blew out in the Smith Center in early January. And this game's not being played in the Smith Center. It's being played at the Barclays Center. And North Carolina's coming off its Super Bowl. BDOT was in here yesterday. He said as much that this season is validated. It doesn't matter if they lose their next two games. It's validated because of what they did in Cameron. So... If that's what everybody is saying on social media, and clearly these guys read what's being said because at every turn they tell us they read what's being said, it's not a stretch to believe that North Carolina thinks that they're playing with house money right now. That they've already achieved what they set out to achieve this year. This team has not shown they can handle prosperity particularly well and now you've got to deal with the pack line you come off a perfect half of basketball where you had one turnover and you shot 60 percent and you ruined coach k's farewell game at cameron and now the next game you got to play an ugly game and grind it out every single possession against the pack line that's going to be frustrating i could see this going terribly wrong for north Carolina. I'm taking Virginia to win. This game's more important to the Hoos. North Carolina, they've clinched their berth to the NCAA tournament. You know who hasn't? Virginia. I know Deke fans are going to be rooting against the Hoos. They're going to be rooting against Virginia Tech later on tonight. But Virginia, if they win this game, I think they're into the tournament. Because people are going to look at their wins. Oh, they just beat North Carolina. Oh, they won at Cameron. Oh, they beat Miami twice. Oh, they beat Providence in in non-conference. And they're going to be more willing to forgive the bad out-of-conference losses that they've had. Talking about Navy and James Madison. That's the way that that one's framed. And focus on the good wins and who Virginia has been in past years. Winning the national championship just three years ago. I think they're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. So... Virginia, it's just a bad draw for North Carolina. I'm taking the Hoos to win this game later on tonight. Your thoughts are welcome here at 10.06 in the morning on what's going on at the ACC Tournament today. 336 777 Robert Walsh is producing the show. We've got Connor O'Neill, who's going to join us from Brooklyn in a little bit less than five minutes. David Glenn a little bit later on in this hour. Connor covers Duke. He covers Wake Forest. The first game that we have for you today, going to be Duke and Syracuse shortly after we got off the air yesterday evening. The ACC suspended Buddy Bayheim for that punch in yesterday's game against Florida State. Hey, Wake fans, if you're looking for good news, Buddy had 14 points in the game yesterday. Alondis Williams had 17, which means... Alondis Williams, once again, your ACC scoring leader and assist leader. So he got that title back from about, you know, a week ago. Buddy had it by one point on Saturday, and Alondis ripped it back. I felt this was something the league had to do. You can't leave Buddy unpunished if you don't suspend him for this game. Oh, but we sent out a big old rapper man. Well, you didn't really punish Buddy Beheim. You didn't. You, yeah, the referees missed it. It was a flagrant two. They went by the letter of the law. You had to suspend Buddy Bayheim for this game. And without Buddy, I, I think all the potential drama from this game, I didn't think there'd be any drama anyway, is sapped. Duke can pick a number against Syracuse to open up quarterfinal action today. Pick a number. I have no clue how Syracuse is going to be able to score. Buddy is the ACC's second leading scorer, huh? See, by two points, the second leading scorer. Shout out to Alandis Williams. If he's not in there, well, who's going to score from the perimeter? Are you going to rely on uh, Cole Slider Cole Swider to drop 36 again like he did in Chapel Hill? Good luck with that. Jesse Edwards, he's missed the last month of action. And Duke has the best perimeter D and the ACC's Defensive Player of the Year playing center. I don't know how Syracuse is going to score. And even with Buddy, it was already a schematic mismatch. Which is why Duke won the first two meetings by 20 points and 25 points. Here's why. Duke has the two ultimate zone busters in this league. Paulo Boncaro and A.J. Griffin. And here's what I mean by that. When you're faced with the Syracuse zone, how often do you hear people talk about getting to the middle of that zone? You want somebody to catch it in the middle of the zone, around the free throw line, close to the nail, and that's where you need to operate. And that person needs to be able to pass the basketball. It's likely one of your bigs. Well, Palo might be, I think he is, the best passing four in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Maybe in the nation. He is an all-American caliber player. Probably not first team, second, or third team all-American player in Paolo. White's had big games against Syracuse both times he's played him. He's going to get to the nail, and he's either going to score with jumpers there or distribute the basketball to guys like A.J. Griffin, who's the best three-point shooter in the ACC and one of the five best three-point shooters in all of America by percentage and players who have attempted at least 100 three-point attempts this year. It's just a bad matchup. And Duke, we know this too. They are pissed off. And they're going to take it out on Syracuse. Duke's lost four other games this year other than that North Carolina game on Saturday. And following those four losses, so games that have happened after losses, we haven't seen what today's result is going to be, Duke has won those games by an average of 23 points. So they're 4-0. And their average margin of victory, 23 points in those games. The only thing that might save Syracuse from getting embarrassed today is Coach K not wanting to embarrass his friend Jim Beheim. The only thing. And it's worth noting, since Syracuse isn't going to go to the NCAA tournament, we know this. This is going to be the final matchup between the two all-time leading scorers or two all-time leading... Uh, win-getters in the history of college basketball. Number one and number two on the career wins list, Mike Krzyzewski and Jim Beheim going head-to-head today. So we've got Connor O'Neal. Connor O'Neal joining us from Brooklyn now, covers Duke, covers Wake Forest. Since you've covered Wake a little bit longer, Connor, I want to start with the Deke side of things here. You haven't uh, tossed your Wake Forest uh, credentials for home games yet. I had to dive through my uh, <laughs> wastebasket, my, my recycling bin last night to make sure I didn't lose that sucker because there's a chance that we, you and I might be going back to the Joel Coliseum sometime soon.
3: Josh, I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. How many times this season did I tell you that that was a possibility? That that last home game against... Uh, who did they play last State. week? NC yeah. State. Uh, they're, they're... I mean, look, I, I think the avenue still exists for them to be in Dayton. But I also think that, as Steve Forbes said, the committee will find something that they really don't like about you. Wake Forest non-conference schedule gives them something really plain and obvious to not like about Wake Forest, and if they're kept out, I think that and the two eggs that they've laid in the last couple weeks are going to be the easy things to point to.
1: And a third thing, their best win, according to the net, is against a team that's probably not going to be in the NCAA tournament, and they got that win way back in December.
3: Uh, I mean, I'd argue their best win was the home game against Carolina, winning by 22,
1: That one will look better, and and regardless of the result tonight, regardless of the result tonight, you know that win in Charlottesville either either looks better or the win against Carolina at home by twenty two looks better. So it's a good point. Yeah, Connor O'Neill with us here. He's on Twitter at Connor O'Neill underscore di. So Steve Forbes, when you asked him yesterday whether or not he's going to be paying attention to bid stealers and all of that he says he's not going to watch maybe one game it's just too painful to do so um when you talk about bid stealers what are some games that you're paying close attention to other than the two games in the nightcap tonight
3: oh man um can i have like 30 seconds to pop open twitter and see what everybody else is saying <laughs> uh.
1: yeah twitter's been a mess over the last 24 hours i don't know What's been a more uh, disappointing thing to see? What Wake fans have devolved to after that loss or seeing Carolina fans doing the, well, this is your coach of the year, this is your player of the year?
3: Just as long as you don't bring up me misquoting the wire as the worst thing that's happened on Twitter in the last 24 hours we're good. That (laughs) one uh, hit deep on my soul when it was pointed out to
1: me. Yeah, so what do you think of tonight's games? I've got Virginia... Beating North Carolina tonight, I I, I think Virginia wins that game. Uh, Virginia Tech, I I can't count them out against Notre Dame, but I think Notre Dame's one of those teams that could make a good run to Saturday. How do you read the two games in the nightcap that Deacon fans are going to be following very closely?
3: That Virginia Tech game, I was chalking that up to, okay, this is going to be a 10-15 to point margin. And then all of a sudden I looked up and it's, okay, Clemson's got it to 8. Clemson's got it to 6. Clemson's got it to 4. Uh, that was, that was very much not the game script that I thought we were going to follow there. Um, he got a heck of a shot. Like that's a man, uh, pull up three with the, with the big on his heels. Um, that's, I don't know, pardon my language, but that's kind of ballsy. Uh,
1: it is. And you know, it looked like that game was following the same script as the one we saw between Boston College and Wake, where in the second half, Virginia Tech led by 9, Wake Forest led by 10. That lead melts away, and you you, you you see yourself trailing. And, man, I was drafting a tweet as that shot went up, talking about, hey, well, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, not a great day for the ACC. What do we got in store for Virginia? And Virginia had some scares in the first half, but found a way to, to win that game and uh, we'll see what happens in the nightcap later on, but how would you describe Connor, Connor O'Neill with us here from Deacon Illustrated, the atmosphere at these games in Brooklyn? You're up there, what are you seeing?
3: Uh, You know, Dave Gorin said something to me in passing yesterday uh, about not being critical of the crowds and the atmosphere when it's Tuesday and Wednesday, because that's when the good teams aren't playing. It's it's hard not to notice how many empty seats there are. Uh, and yesterday's game for the afternoon session just it it looked like a. I don't want to throw any mid-major conferences or low-major conferences under the bus, but it looked like a SoCon tournament. It you know even the sections that were filled had blotches of empty seats in there, it's it's not a great atmosphere. Um Hopefully that changes today. You know, I, I always, every year when this quarterfinal Thursday comes around, I'm reminded of Ed Harden playing the hits, and he would write every year that now the tournament really begins. Now the tournament, you know, now that the top four seeds get their day, and we've had uh seven games of relative flop that we we get some good teams in here um now specific to this season, good is a relative term when you're talking about anybody other than Duke, but at least in a relatively in 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 relative uh this theoretically the, the play will get better and hopefully the atmosphere gets better with the with the teams with fans that you know want to travel up here and see their team try to win an ACC tournament
1: yeah if if they don't draw a crowd in New York for Duke and Syracuse today I, I think it's fair to criticize the the tournament site as much as you'd like personally they're, so, they're, sort Syracuse of
0: the, is supposed to be New York's
1: team that's what I'm saying you <laughs> <know>? it, <laughs> If they don't come they out for Duke, a... if they don't come out for Duke, when are they going to come out?
3: Yeah, it, it it was it was a bit surreal. I'm I don't I don't know how else to put it. Um, I, I am not one of those guys that thinks the tournament should never leave Greensboro, but I am one of those guys that thinks that the ACC doesn't need to come up here and play in the shadows of the big East, the tournament or the, the league that it basically folded, uh, and raided.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Connor O'Neill, enjoy the games today, buddy. Thanks for making the time. I
3: appreciate it. I uh, just hopped out of the shower in the Airbnb here. It's going
1: take about a 12 minute walk to our Oh yeah. One thing, one thing on the way out. How ugly do you think Duke Syracuse can get? Like how bad can it get?
3: I was, you know, Robert brought me in early, so I was listening to you. I think, I think Kay will not, if, if it gets to a point where he could, I think Kay will not want to embarrass, uh, his buddy. Like Beheim did to Leonard yesterday. Yeah. The, the buddy there was, uh, unintentional, but, <laughs> oh,
1: that's
3: uh, I I think it'll be a name your score, but the score will not be burgeoning on on a record or anything like that. And and I think, you know, Syracuse is playing with house money. There's there exists the possibility that Duke comes out and is still shell shocked from what happened over the weekend. And it's a quick exit for them. Connor, which would clear up my schedule for the rest of the week.
1: Yeah, it it probably would do that. Connor, (laughs) have fun today. We'll be reading your stuff. Thanks, brother. He He's on Twitter at Connor O'Neill underscore DI. Joining us from Barclays Center covers Duke and also Wake Forest. That's a lot of ACC hoops talk. We're 20 minutes into this. We're a third into our show already. Goodness. Believe it or not, there's quite a bit happening elsewhere of the ACC today, and we'll get to the five biggest headlines next.
0: You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. Buckle up, because the ride just gets wilder. And now, on WSJS Sports.
1: I see a lot of talk that Miami is in the same position as Wake Forest was yesterday, We'll get to that in just a few minutes. David Glenn going to be our guest at 1040. Hour-long special edition of The Drive leading up to Duke pregame coverage with David Shoemate, John Roth, and company at 11 a.m. It's a noon tip for Duke and Syracuse. Right now, this is not the five things at five because it's 1024 in the morning. We're just going to call this five things, and I'm going to make this five non-ACC headlines going on in sports today because there's a there's quite a bit of things going on that uh, we haven't had time to get to just because we've been focusing on Duke and Carolina playing tonight and Wake Forest's chances or lack thereof of getting to the NCAA tournament so let's get this thing fired up and let's start with number five Major League Baseball announced that they have canceled the second week of the regular season. Still not able to come to an agreement on a CBA with the players. The players apparently felt it was premature for them to pull the trigger on canceling week two of the season. It does seem like they are getting some stuff done. They're agreeing to compromises like Universal, DH, and... You know, banning, shifting, and things of that nature. So things are happening. It feels like to me, by the beginning of May, at the latest, this is how I feel in my gut, they're going to be playing baseball games because they have to. The owners, they pitched it to the players that they're dead set. This is according to a report before the first week was canceled. They're fine losing a month of the season. I don't think the owners... We'll be willing to lose much more than that. If every week feels like a battle, by the time we get to fearing the loss of a fourth or fifth week, I think they're going to come to an agreement. However, I have started to imagine what my summers would be like as a sports fan if baseball wasn't there. I don't know if you guys have done the same. I started looking at the MLS schedule saying, well, when am I going to get out to a Charlotte FC game? Maybe I'll watch or a match. I'm sorry. Maybe I'll watch them play Atlanta United right after the Final Four or go watch when they play LAFC later on this summer. That's the difference between sports today in 2022 versus when baseball locked out in 94. We didn't have as many options back then. The MLS didn't exist, and UFC wasn't something people were talking about at that time. Sports, it evolves, it changes, and some of these other sports are more year-round and they're stronger than they were in 94 that were you know alongside baseball so it just feels like baseball is going to become more and more obscure the longer this thing happens I don't know how many people are going to be missing baseball that much because of all the things that'll be happening elsewhere to distract our attention number four the Charlotte Hornets last night Lost the back end of back-to-back games. They lost it home to Brooklyn with Kyrie dropping 50 two nights ago. And last night, lost to the Boston Celtics. Robert, Charlotte is now three games under 500. they They're ninth in the Eastern Conference. Brooklyn firmly in that number eight seed right now. This basketball team just isn't that good. And are you with me that we've seen enough sample to say it was a mistake to bring in Gordon Hayward, that it kind of just made them too good to have one of the worst seeds last year. LaMelo was a rookie. You could have had a chance in last year's draft class to get one of those top guys in the lottery. Instead, you're outside the top 10 and taking James Booknight.
2: I'm not going to bash it because when we signed him, the biggest thing was everybody's like, oh, why'd you give him that much money? Free agents don't want to come to Charlotte, or at least didn't before LaMelo Ball got here. So for them to take a swing on him, I'm not going to chastise them for that, for trying to add more talent to the roster. So maybe he didn't pan out. Maybe he pushed them out of the lottery, but that sounds an awful lot like tanking, and that is not what a good team would do. So, if the Hornets are trying to be a good team, I think they've done all the right things. See,
1: that's Uh, the thing. In the NBA, in the NFL, good good teams don't tank. In the NBA, there are are good teams that tank.
2: Well, if they were tanking, they're doing a terrible job at it. That's what
1: I'm saying. Like, you added Gordon Hayward, it's like, if they wanted to have added Gordon Hayward, last year's team would have been in
2: probably is still in the play-in.
1: I don't think so. Because Gordon, like, they were number four in the East when he got hurt. Number 4 in the East. And when he got hurt, missed the final month, they fell to a number 8 or a 9. Like, they completely imploded. And that's the problem. He can't stay healthy. So, without him the entire season, if Charlotte is what they were the final month of last year, I feel like they're a team that's not in the play-in altogether and might be in the running to land a Donovan Mitchell or to land a Kaminga or land uh, Josh Giddy or one of these guys that we've seen out of these rookies who've been really good?
2: I'm going to stick with it. Uh, I pulled up the standings last year. I don't think the Bulls were going to push them out of the play-in. I don't think the Cavs were going to push them out of the play-in. The Raptors definitely weren't, and the Magic and Piston definitely weren't. They, they were the 10th best team in the East last year, no matter what, because everybody beneath them stunk. I don't think there's a way you could get them out of the play-in situation. Well, that makes me feel a little better.
1: Number three. Tiger Woods was inducted into the World Golf Hall of Fame yesterday, had his speech, was emotional, talking about his parents. <sighs> the Masters is a month away. Hello, friend. Doesn't feel like he's going to be competing in it, even though Jim Nance was with us in December saying, gosh, man, Seeing Tiger out there with his son on the golf course, just that competitive being, he can't—he couldn't imagine Tiger not at least trying to get it to go. But I just don't think that's going to happen. And um, I am grateful we still have Tiger after how bad that car accident looked a little over a year ago. Uh, just Tiger being reflective yesterday was a sight—a sight that ten years ago would be something worth noting.
0: Number two
1: six of the top eight teams of the ap poll are in action today gonzaga remember two nights ago won the conference tournament their two-game conference tournament they have the gall to say oh mark few has as many he has more conference titles than coach k and john calabari okay you have to win two games to win that conference tournament it's the whack get out of here that's a whack opinion for the west coast conference Auburn, they're not in action until tomorrow in the SEC. So we got, other than Duke-Syracuse at noon, it's Stanford versus number two, Arizona. It is West Virginia, 500 team this year, Bob Huggins' group, facing six-seeded Kansas. You got number three, Baylor, facing Oklahoma. And I think out of the top eight teams, the teams the team that's probably in the most danger today because of how weird the Big East tournament can get is... Number eight ranked Villanova, Colin Gillespie, Jay Wright and Company, facing St. John. So I actually think it's a pretty good team. So keep an eye on that one. Circle that today as a potential upset later on. St. John's going up against Nova. Number one. The number one story outside of ACC action today that people were talking about the number one story in sports border authorities find 52 reptiles hidden in a man's clothing. This is around San Diego. Man tried to get past border agents in California. He had 52 lizards and snakes hidden in his clothing. The man was driving a truck when he arrived uh, at the border crossing from Mexico. Uh, He was pulled out for additional inspection, and then they found... Those reptiles in the man's jacket, pant pockets, and in the groin area. Nine snakes, 43 horned lizards were seized. Some of the species are considered endangered, according to authorities. Robert, if you were trying to smuggle 42 reptiles in your groin area, jackets, and elsewhere, which, what type of reptile would you feel safe in baggies or whatever, putting near your groin area.
2: I really hope that's the the dumbest question I could ask today. I hope no one sinks any lower <laughs> than that. Uh, I would not smuggle any reptiles in the first place. There's not that's a single a one of them that doesn't chomp or bite or scaly or slimy. That's not like, a
1: stupid question. I think it's a good question.
2: I'm not bringing turtles in. I'm not bringing anything in. I'm going to leave all those reptiles wherever they belong at, and I'm probably just going to cross unbothered.
1: That's been... Five things at 10.33 in the morning. David Glenn, going to join us in about 10 minutes. I said I wanted to get to Miami. So they got Boston College today, and it seems to be a popular opinion since BC upset Wake Forest yesterday as the 13th seed. Up, well, bad situation for the ACC again. BC could do to Miami what they just did to Wake Forest yesterday. I don't think they're in the same position. Because... The difference between Miami and Wake, two things. Miami swept Wake Forest, beating them twice. And the Canes still have that win at Duke. Wake's best win, according to the net. So, take that with a grain of salt. Wake has the win against North Carolina, but that was at home. They had the win against Notre Dame, but that was at home. And the UVA went, as of right now, not greater in the net than that win they got in December against Virginia Tech. Uh, none of those wins are as good as winning at Cameron Indoor Stadium. The Blue Devils, they're going to be a meal ticket for the ACC. The teams that beat them have a great shot, short of Florida State, who lost all of their starters after they beat them in Tallahassee back in January. I think if Miami loses this game, they're still in. I don't buy into the optimism for Wake's tournament chances. Joe and Artie still has them in. Oh, we just need Virginia Tech and Virginia to lose. Maybe... But then what happens if Indiana beats Michigan today? Neither of those teams are ranked. That could happen. That means Indiana almost certainly would get a spot over Wake Forest. And if it were close, even if Virginia Tech and Virginia lose today, it wouldn't shock me if the committee decided to choose either of those teams over Wake, even though Wake's beaten both those teams. Because guess what Virginia has? A win at Cameron. (laughs) And they beat Providence. And and, and they swept Miami. They, They have better wins than... Wake Forest does. Now, the cane should roll BC. Like, Boston College, great run. And I know I said this about Wake yesterday, but what Miami does so well is they spread you out. They have Sam Wardenberger playing the five when he's really a stretch four. Speed on the floor. Shooting all over the place. That is not a team you want to play when you're playing your third game in three days. So BC has less talent. That's why they're the 13 seed. And they're playing B.C. or they're playing Miami that is completely rested. That feels like they do have something on the line. And they spread it out and they have all those guards, Charlie Moore, Cam Mcgusty, Isaiah Wong. And they could just attack and spread you out. I don't think that's going to be particularly close. I don't. It's going to be a tough afternoon session. Duke going to handle Syracuse. And I think the Canes are going to handle B.C. Really entertaining night stretch. I think both those games are going to be really good. Virginia Tech-Notre Dame. Virginia-North Carolina. But the afternoon stretch, probably not going to be so great. That's the way that I read it. Miami, they are not in the same position that Wake Forest is in. Here's a question I got for DG, and I have for you guys too. You could tweet me at WSJSports if you want to answer it. What's more likely with Carolina? That they're one and done losing tonight to Virginia or playing Saturday night in the ACC Tournament Championship game? I'll ask that question to David Glenn, founder of the ACC Sports Journal, and we'll discuss next on The Drive.
0: (laughs) You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. Proceed slowly and with caution on WSJS Sports.
1: (laughs) I love... Trying to do features that we would normally do on a three-hour show in the afternoon at 10 o'clock in the morning, smushed into an hour-long special show ahead of the ACC tournament. One of those segments is called Ticket to the House. It's what we close each of our shows with. Robert, I just realized nobody's taking anything to the house at 10.55 in the morning.
2: Maybe like their sick kids, like if they had a bad breakfast at school or something. <laughs>
1: that's right. So that's that goes. This goes out specifically to the parents with sick kids who are going home, or those who are playing hooky to watch the ACC tournament in Brooklyn. What do you got? And take it to the house in about ten minutes.
2: Uh, we're going to talk about something that has taken over the Bay Area.
1: Okay, so that's coming up in a bit as we're going down the stretch, as our next guest used to say on the radio for a very long time. Here on WSJS Sports, it is the founder of the ACC Sports Journal and accsports.com, David Glenn, our friend joining us here on The Drive. DG, I asked this question earlier and I'll pose it to you now. What's more likely with Carolina being one and done tonight in Brooklyn or playing Saturday night?
0: I'll say playing Saturday night, and it's good to be with you as always, Josh. I mean, at this point, it's all a roll of the dice, right? I mean, who had Boston College to beat Wake Forest as the Demon Deacons were theoretically, at least perhaps, playing for their postseason life? We'll see how that shakes out. Virginia is going to be a desperate basketball team tonight. Uh, Carolina did beat Virginia pretty solidly, I thought, during the regular season. But the dynamics have changed. You know, Can the Tar Heels come back from the highest of possible regular season highs, what happened with them in Cameron Indoor Stadium on Saturday night, and can they match the intensity that you absolutely know that UVA will bring as a really proud program that was just the national champion three years ago for Coach Tony Bennett. Uh, It's a guessing game, but I do believe in the Tar Heels starting five. Uh, I do believe in Armando Baycott as one of the best players in this league. I don't think UVA is very good offensively, so it'll really be up to the Tar Heels to kind of make sure they tighten the screws defensively, so that the Cavaliers don't get some of that offensive hope that they really need with this year's lineup to beat a quality team like Carolina.
1: Yeah, he's on Twitter at David Glenn Show. I all the things you just said are true. I think Carolina is in trouble tonight just because. Hubert Davis was talking about scouting opponents in the ACC. And he said that, you know, one of the benefits you have is you already played a team. you So the scouting is a lot easier when you play somebody twice or even one time. But I do think it hurts Carolina that they've only played Virginia twice. And it is unique what Virginia does with the packed line. And they played them. Such a long time ago. Yeah. Over two months ago. It was January eighth, the last time these two teams played. The only time they played this season. And Virginia's now won seven of their last ten games. So they're a different basketball team now than they were a little while ago. And on top of that, I I really do feel like the what you hit on there is gonna be important. The Super Bowl element of it. Carolina, everybody's being told on this team that they just achieved they validated their season, their season. It doesn't matter if they lose the, their next two games. It's the, Winning at Duke and winning that game matters so much. What are you going to do the next time out when you're facing the Virginia packed line and things are going to be really frustrating at around 10 o'clock tonight? That's the type of game you know you're in store for, and I don't know how much Carolina is going to be able to battle if they're just playing five dudes. Well, that's the
0: magical question for Hubert Davis, right? And, and in that first game although the dynamics have changed, and it was a long time ago, UVA had no answer for Armando Baycott. Armando Baycott, against that pack line defense, went for almost 30 points and 13 rebounds. And they do rotate a couple of pretty good shot blockers, especially Caden Shedrick. But Armando Baycott just ate Mark Williams' lunch, uh, the, the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, in Cameron on Saturday night. So we'll see if Baycott can be as dominant against the Cavaliers and in the second time against UVA and then the other thing to watch is you know Josh i mean it's easy to say hey the tar heels play at a fast tempo and uva plays at a slow tempo let's underline that the tar heels play the fastest tempo in the atlantic coast conference and uva plays the slowest tempo out of 358 division 1 men's basketball teams so this is not a slight contrast this is night and day If the Cavaliers play at their pace and just find somebody, it's usually Jaden Gardner, but you've seen on different nights Kihei Clark hit huge three-pointers against Duke. You know, uh, Armand Franklin was horrible yesterday for UVA, but at times has been a good wing scorer for them. Reese Beekman is an amazing two-way player. Somebody has to step up offensively for UVA if the Cavs are going to beat the Tar Heels. And Carolina, on some nights, has taken a lot of pride defensively, starting with Leaky Black but continuing with Baycott as a shot blocker and rebounder. Sometimes Caleb Love fits this description, too. Even Manik has been battling his brains out as a not-as-good defensive player. That's, what, that's how the Tar Heels have to set this tone, because if the Cavaliers hit shots early and play at their pace – that's where the scenario you described unfolds in a way that's not going to be good for Carolina.
1: David Glenn with us here, and I need to get him up to speed that every single time for the last three years that Armando Baycott's name has been brought up on this show, there's a drop that plays. So I think Robert is due for about four or five of those (laughs) right here. Like, how many do we got here? Arma, yeah,
0: Arma, Arma, Arma.
1: yeah. There used to be some Italian singer that would sing that, but then thanks to NIL, we now got Armando Baycott himself. Armando. with that drop there, David Glenn with us. I-, I think Wake Forest isn't going to get the benefit of the doubt when you commit when you consider a out of conference strength of schedule that's in the three hundreds. We yeah. don't have a lot of great wins. I guess that Virginia or North Carolina win is going to look great, look better, regardless of the result later on tonight. Uh, and, and on top of that, just a couple bad losses in the last month or so. But uh, what percentage chance would you give Wake Forest of getting into the field based on how long you've been studying this?
0: To me, it's 50-50, Josh, and the hard part in answering that as we speak is that whereas the Deacons' resume is set in stone, it is what it is, right? It's not going to get any better. It's not going to get any worse between now and Selection Sunday. Other resumes are still changing. So you and I could both say right now the Demon Deacons belong in that 68-team field and say by Sunday afternoon that may not be the case because other teams on the bubble are playing games and sometimes winning games and you also know how things go I mean you better root for Davidson to win the Atlantic 10 title because if Davidson doesn't win that tournament they're getting in as an at-large which means somebody else on the bubble has that bubble burst so I feel bad for the Deeks. I think their resume right now is good enough to get one of those at-large bids But you got to watch what happens around you. You have to watch what happens in those one-bid leagues. All of that is outside of Steve Forbes and Alondis Williams and Jake LaRavia's control. What was in their control was beating Boston College yesterday, and they let that get away. And unlike Carolina, which won at Duke, unlike a Miami, which won at Duke, unlike a Notre Dame, which beat Kentucky early this year, the Deeks, as you said, do not have as many of those victories, probably – Notre Dame and Carolina at home, uh, and UVA and Virginia Tech on the road, but those latter two teams right now are not NCAA teams. That's a nice resume, but it certainly doesn't guarantee you anything here on ACC Tournament Thursday.
1: Yes, and Steve Forbes, I think, trumpeted exactly what you just said there. We have this sound of Forbes after the game talking about whether or not he's going to pay attention to bid stealers. If you haven't heard it, I think it's – you know, quintessential Steve Forbes sound.
0: It's just too much anguish and to watch it. You know, uh, we should be. It's on us. We're we're we we're in control of our own destiny. That's what you play for, and we didn't control our own destiny, so now we're not. And so, um, for me personally, I probably won't watch one game. Um, I'll probably just. I don't know what I'll do. Uh, I'll figure it out, but uh, maybe it's not to be repeated. But uh, I will. Uh, I will figure it out. Trust me.
1: Yeah. So Forbes is—I I don't know, maybe, maybe Forbes is enjoying a few cold ones and watching War dots because he's a big history guy. I, I, it doesn't sound like he's watching much hoop.
0: Well, he better root against Virginia and Virginia Tech just in
1: <laughs> case, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, just in your own league,
0: you better root for certain teams to lose, and, and elsewhere, uh, it's not only those one-bit scenarios. You know, it's it's the Rutgers and SMUs and VCU's and others of that ilk that are trying to battle their way up the ladder just as the Deeks are hoping not to fall down the ladder.
1: DG, always appreciate the time. Uh, Maybe I would be seeing you face-to-face if this tournament wasn't in the shadow of the Big East tournament at MSG and instead where it belongs here in the state of North Carolina.
0: Amen. I'm headed to Jamaica, my friend. It's my first March <laughs> Madness I'll ever spend part of, partly out of the country. So uh, I, I've I've seen every ACC tournament in person since 1988, other than this one. So uh, I, I'm going to live vicariously through you for this Brooklyn experience.
1: Sounds good. Enjoy Jamaica. Thanks for making the time, my friend. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. There he see goes, you. David Glenn joining us. Those Jamaica ads. It seems like Jamaica has sponsored the ACC this year because I see their ads in every game. I don't know if that's what DG bid on, how long this trip's been in the works, but maybe one of those ads spoke to him. I don't know. But this is what I got in the games today. I got Duke, lay whatever that number is. I don't know what the what the spread is. I guess I could pull that up very quickly here. But uh, whatever that number is, I don't care. Pick a number. <laughs> Duke Duke's going to cover that today, whatever that number is. It's 15. Yeah. Lay the 15 with Duke. Trust me on that one. And then Miami, they're going to beat BC today. Seven and a half points, sure. I don't think that'll be close. And then in the night cap, we're going to look at spreads, which I know some people care about. I have no idea. Stay away from Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. I I think that's going to be a really good game. I got the Irish winning it. And then give me the Tar Heels. I like the Tar Heels to win. Later on tonight. Or no, no, no. Give me uh, Virginia to beat the Tar Heels later on tonight. Those are my picks for the quarterfinals. Uh, We're already getting rave reviews on the show. Robert, somebody writes in, this show should only be an hour long every day. More concise material. Quality focus on content. Eliminate all the unnecessary gas bagging. You know? I I think that's a fair comment, but, you know, three-hour show, a little bit more space. A little bit more space to explore. I'm all about the space. See? Let's take it to the house. Past the 15, past the 10, past the 5 for the drive. We'll take it to the house. One, two, three. Uh
2: apparently, this cult leader in California is also about space in his belly. Uh, he has had a cult in California since 1980, which he has recently been evicted from. It was the Brethrenarians that said they needed to eat minimal food, drink minimal liquid, and all they really needed to do was breathe. And he has been caught eating, and I I can't, I'm not making this up. He has been caught eating a chicken pot pie (laughs) and has been kicked out of his breathenarian group. (laughs) This story is so long, I really don't care about the details that I don't like
1: chicken pot pie.
2: I don't mind it. Uh, Sarah
1: Bradford, that's one of the things she cooks best, and... I'm like, I'm sorry, babe. I'm not a big chicken pot pie guy.
2: I mean, it's really just chicken pie with vegetables in it. Yeah. Are you not a chicken pie guy either? No, I'm not. So you don't like the Moravians? You don't go mess with their chicken pies or anything when they're doing the sales? I don't. Five bucks for a chicken pie? That's a hell of a deal, man. See, for
1: me, I'm all about, like, pies should be desserts, not your entree. Kind of like, you know...
2: Soups. That's really close-minded of you. I
1: am close-minded sometimes. You know, I like to be open-minded on a lot of things, but I'm sure most people are close-minded on things, uh, certain topics, and I'll acknowledge, yeah, I'm close-minded on this subject.
2: You don't think vegetable beef soup could be a meal?
1: No. I think it's a side. I think you need something else. If you're going to consider that a meal, you need to have, like, an entree something on a plate. What
2: goes, okay, what meal are you, you eating where you're like, you know what? I, I want a bowl of vegetable beef soup. What is the meal? The, the grilled cheese?
1: Yeah, or, or like a salad. Like a salad. A
2: salad is a meal, but yeah. a, a soup is not. Yes. You understand this sounds a little wonky, right? Like It doesn't <laughs> sound like you're you're talking in circles here. So if I put the salad in a soup and it was a soup salad, that would be a meal. The, everything that's in the salad is a vegetable which is also in vegetable beef soup
1: see you're making good points but if it's liquid i i, I don't think it's a meal
2: i'm just gonna sit over here and, and keep talking for the next how long we got <laughs> five more seconds
1: yeah five more seconds I, I'm, I'm sorry you
2: should go try some minestrone or like french onion
1: yeah we have the i mean the rest of the deck you just do, do whatever. I'm going to watch a lot of basketball. That's what I'm going to do. And then tomorrow, I think we're going to catch up with the new voice of the Carolina Panthers, Nishra. Uh Hayes Permar going to join us from Brooklyn. How we'll about that? Great day that we have on tap for you. Four basketball games. And it starts with Duke Syracuse. We pass things along to David Shumate and John Roth and company. That's been a Thursday Drive.